a year off. Yeah. We took, we took more than a year off, I think. It's been... Well, I think our last episode we filmed in January of 2020. Well, our last released episode. Yeah, we have two fully filmed episodes that we never released. And I'm I'm kind of glad that we didn't because I think we could do them better now. We are going to do them better. Yeah. I actually think it'll be fun to... We could even do them and then maybe put clips of the original ones in to show like... Oh, Jesus. How we've grown and changed. Different. We're different now. No, um, a lot's happened. We both very much needed a year of not having to consistently keep up with something. I think, yeah, I need a year of not keeping up with something consistently and not being as online was a huge part yes, of it. Yes, definitely for me too. Yeah, I had to be way less online, not just like producing things for the internet, but like consuming less from the internet. Yeah. And not having, like, any kind of incentive or necessity of, like, checking things. Oh, the checking. <laughs> the checking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we had a lot going on in our individual lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was definitely in our best interest to not be creating during that time. Yeah, I don't know that, like, like it sucks losing a year of the show, but then I'm like... What would we have even been making? Like, mm, we wouldn't have been bringing our best to the table. I don't videos of us crying. Yeah, I feel that there's kind of a consensus that 2022 was a piece of shit year. That seems to be the consensus to like most people. But like internally, I feel like I made some huge gains. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like some growth happened. Yeah, I have felt some actual healing start to. Not just like intellectualized healing. Yes. Yeah, but like the real kind. Yeah. That you can like feel instead of just being like, I have done these steps towards healing. I think that's actually what a large portion of our show was looking back is like, hey, we've intellectualized all of these experiences and the knowledge from it, and we're just sharing that instead of like, we're done with the process that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Kind of. I think that's really true. I think a lot of it was being analytical and like looking inward, but then kind of stopping at analysis. Like I've analyzed everything and therefore, because I can understand certain mechanisms that yeah. are happening within myself or around myself, that's it. That's, that's kind of where I was stopped or stuck. And I don't even blame us though, because like we were doing the best we could with what we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I think even my understanding of what doing the best you can with what you have is like expanded. But now. you know, but you know what changed it all for me? Not this is like the like the one thing. Literally smoking weed. Yeah, I'm not all. kidding. Like it helped me access parts of my brain that I couldn't even access during my EMDR sessions. Yeah. Like the stuff that like therapists have never been able to get me to fully get and like not just like know about, but then feel and process and mm -hmm. like the full circle of connection with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true what they say about psychedelics. Like it, it just fucking changed everything for me. Yeah. I feel like, um, something that was missing in my healing was actually resting 
yeah actually What's being that? able to take myself out of myself like literally all of the intellectualizing mm-hmm. is so much ego it is it's all and you're ego. so convinced that you're like so self-aware but it's just your ego just like jerking off yeah and your ego wants that yeah and and you're gonna feel good about that and so that's gonna feel like um a change like a material change and it's gonna feel better and then all of a sudden you're like no that wasn't better exactly (laughs) that's been like a crazy realization to make that you can be so sure of uh-huh. what's going on and like the progress that you're making and where you're at and you just don't know. I think you don't know. I think something that we for sure but also just being kinder to myself and giving making actual space for myself is you realize again the ego, your mind can only achieve so much and it's like your body has to do a lot. Yes. You have to process things like physiologically. And that's something that isn't talked about enough, especially in standard therapy, which is clearly yeah. how we're gonna make this episode. But. Yeah. Um, so I guess to give this a little bit of structure, hi. Hi. Again. Um, we both went through a lot of shit in 2022 and I can speak for myself and say I feel very humbled. I feel very much like I... Humbled's not the right word. I feel very much like I will never again feel like I know anything. <laughs> you know? That's what real self-awareness yeah. is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's not where you're like, I've got everything figured out. I know how shit goes. It's not that. It's Mm-mm. the opposite. It's where you accept that you just don't know. Yeah. I've really been working on learning how to tolerate uncertainty Hell yeah, OCD therapy. OCD therapy. That, we have to do a whole episode. Oh my god, we definitely need an OCD episode. Oh my god. We will do an OCD episode. Yeah. Um, But I guess what we wanted to do as a way of reintroducing our show is talk about therapy. Because therapy is something we brought up in, if not every episode, then I think probably every episode oh, no, we talked no about therapy. We've, there's no way we've ever skipped talking about therapy. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about how therapy can be <laughs> terrible. We want to talk about bad therapy because I think that collectively we've all been in a movement for years now of being like, go to therapy. Therapy's the answer. Just go to therapy. And we left it with like the period at the end, like that's it. Yeah. And it's so much more complex than that um, because you have to realize that the majority of therapists are people. Yeah. And people come with their own biases and, um, I don't know, like not a willingness to keep up with information, um, not integrating ethical practices into the therapy system. So what that results in is a lot of people getting bad therapy. There's a lot of um, gaslighting that takes place with therapy. I mean, and it's, it's a problem just from a lot of programs for therapists are like at Christian schools. Yes. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there's kind of a fucked up morality but behind a lot of the training that therapists get. I mean, just look at the the study of like Western psychology to begin with. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, there's um our approach to psychology is basically what I am just gonna say, like a blanket thing about the whole thing is individual solutions are not actually solutions and it's there a lot of therapy is just treating symptoms yes and not treating the underlying issue and the underlying issue is heteropatriarchal white supremacist yes like like shocking everything goes back to that but especially psychology yeah especially psychology we are in a system that we are forced to participate in to varying levels to survive and the system makes us sick like we we are sick and then we're treating that sickness by telling ourselves that we're the problem exactly and therapists are going to tell you that you're the problem and that if you can just change your thoughts then you can fix it that's the problem with cbt standard talk therapy is that it's, I mean, this is really reductive and simplified, but it's basically like gaslighting yourself into feeling better. Well, not gaslighting yourself, like the therapist is gaslighting yeah. into feeling better and like that's it. But that's not how human psychology works. So when people are participating in standard talk therapy and they're in it and they're still having the same issues and cycles and coping mechanisms, it's not surprising you're not actually getting treatment. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting treatment and you, for me, it was just making me stuck in a lot of shame. Um, yeah. And it's, again, it's this individual solution to something that can't be solved by a bunch of individuals treating it separately. Like yeah. we need to embrace communal collectivist solutions yep. for healing and I think healing can only be done in community and therapy a lot of therapeutic moda modalities are not actually about healing they're about being a better participant in capitalism and each individual therapist is they are not capable of not bringing their own beliefs into practice right so like if you're seeing a therapist who has like internalized misogyny or is like asleep to systemic racism and things like that, there's going to be a lack of them understanding your trauma and your pain and helping you navigate it because if you don't even acknowledge that something is happening or real, right. what do you think is gonna happen? And it's so common in, I would say, the vast majority of therapists are bringing these harmful like personal beliefs that they might not even be aware of into their practice and there's been a big push for i think what is now just being called inclusive therapists mm -hmm. which is how i found my new therapist yeah and she's fucking amazing yeah i have a new therapist too who is inclusive and uh you know is trauma-informed like we knew how important it was to be trauma-informed but 
how trauma-informed can someone be if they're not recognizing the inherent traumas of the types of systems that we live under? Exactly. If you're a queer person in a country that is passing legislation constantly about queer people that uh -huh. hurts queer people, or if you're a person with a womb in a country that is reversing uh, <laughs> yep. uh, really important legislation that allows you to have bodily autonomy, like, that's the kind of thing where it's like you're how trauma informed can you really be if you're not taking all these big picture things into account and then the other thing is that a lot of times which I think we were talking about this with the tea thing going on I don't know if that's going to make it into the edit but a lot of times there's a hierarchical relationship within therapy where it's like the therapist is the expert who is fixing you they know everything it's like what they say is solid you can't question it they yeah. can't be wrong when in reality it, it should be a collaborative relationship between someone who has a ton of education and knowledge who can help guide you through a healing process or whatever your goal is in therapy but that person is your collaborator yep. that person's not there to like tell you how to be or what to do I used to truly think that if all individual people went to therapy, the world would like get better. Mm -hmm. And I really no longer think that if every straight cis man went to therapy, I don't think anything would get better. I don't, I don't think that I don't would think actually so. help. It might help like some, maybe, but I don't really think it would. Yeah, I mean, especially with what we were just talking about. Right. With, like, it depends on the therapist that you're seeing. It depends on the methods that they're using. Have they unpacked their own shit to not bring it into therapy to see it through some fucked up lens? Like, mm -hmm. there's so many layers to it. And just simply going to therapy, especially like the big push years back of telling men just go to therapy. Well, did that magically fix things? No, it didn't. And there's a lot of reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Again, so much therapy is ignoring the physiological piece yeah. of getting better. It's ignoring the communal piece of getting better. And it's ignoring... A lot more therapists are no longer ignoring this. But it's ignoring tools like psychedelics. I've had experiences oh, yeah. over the past year that I feel like I did 10 years of really hard therapeutic work in like a few hours. It really does work. Like, yeah. I can't say that as like a blanket statement, like, oh, it just works for everyone. You don't have to do anything. You just do psychedelics. But <laughs> if you are someone who has really put their all into therapy and you still feel like you're hitting roadblocks, I mean, it, I guess it could be a multiple things. It could be you're not actually being honest with yourself, so therefore you can't be honest in therapy. It could be that your therapist just sucks. Mm -hmm. But it also could be that you need something to help you access like different parts of your mind almost. Yeah, because that's how it feels for me. Different parts of your mind, I think, but also just an expanded or more like a... I guess an expanded point of view on what we even are, what consciousness is, yeah. and what it means to be a conscious being in relation to other conscious beings and the inherent responsibility we have to each other. Yeah. You know, it, it, it brings 
those sorts of things into light. And when, when you're focused so much on like individual responsibility, it's really easy to just like, if you're, if you're focused on yourself and making yourself great, you would still be like a fucking asshole. I know. Cause you're, it's all from ego. Right. Right. And ego is such a, a thing. We didn't do like, <laughs> we didn't do like an outline or like research ahead of time, but I would be very, inter I mean, we're just bringing our own experiences into this. And we have done research, but we didn't specifically do it for this yeah. episode. Um, not to say we're totally talking out of our asses or anything, but I would be very interested to know if there have been, like, academic papers written about the role of ego in therapy, in therapeutic approaches. I know that when there's been a combination of therapy with psychedelics and people experience actual ego death, mm -hmm. that there is, like, a pretty... I don't know, like standard result in the majority that it's a positive thing and that progress is then made. Yeah. Um, I have fully I've read that. papers on this before. Yeah. So I know that that's the consensus. Like even if you have um, really bad trips, it's still majority that good shit comes out of it, which mm -hmm. is really fucking interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think the fear that we have about like dipping into psychedelics and the bad experience, like we're not thinking beyond that because if the bad experience that we have while we're on it isn't related yeah. to the progress, like, I don't know. I think it's really fucking cool. I think it's really cool. I think it's, I wonder what a huge shift in the approach to therapy would look like if it became more about like eliminating our egos from the equation of healing because again like how can you heal if you're just thinking about only you exactly. I think this kind of question is so important when we are experiencing climate crisis like we're seeing the effects of climate change harm so many people displace so many people and then we're over here like, how can I be a better partner to my shitty boyfriend or whatever it is? Like, it's that's what the therapy was about for me for so long was like, how can I be a better wife and girlfriend? Which is the heteronormative crap that therapists bring into therapy. Exactly. Like, that's what we're talking about when we say like bad therapy, bad therapist, because they're bringing their own limiting beliefs yes, and unethical practices that they don't even realize are unethical into your therapy sessions. Yeah. And when, how much progress can you make under that? Like, yeah. it's so limited. When therapy is just about making you better at fitting into the status quo oh. or yeah. making you feel more normal or making you better at masking mm -hmm. at your job or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and making you stop questioning those things. Uh -huh. Is that therapy? Is that therapy? No, it's <laughs> not. It's, it's not. It's brainwashing. Yeah. And this is so sad that I'm going to say this, but like, it wasn't helpful for me, objectively looking back, until kind of recently. Yeah. Like, with my second to last therapist, there were some good things I got out of it. I did some hard work that I wasn't able to do with other therapists, but that person also 
traumatized me through the process of doing unethical and fucked up, like, I don't know, what would we call that, like, bigoted practices within it. Bigoted and also, like, being doubted, like, having your own experiences, being questioned, doubted. Refusing to, like, look at another point of view or, like, me being like, okay, but this is something that I'm thinking about. Nope, that's not what's happening. So I don't have valid thoughts or concerns. Yeah. And that actually ended up causing a lot of problems for me that I have now had to process and unpack with a new therapist. So it's just, it's the therapist that you go with for your healing journey. I think that we need to place so much more importance on vetting that person in really complex ways like the level of importance it should be with like if you're going to be in like a partnership like a relationship with someone yeah like it matters Mm -hmm. it really matters their own personal beliefs because it's going to limit you and that's not even to go into questions about access and Mm -hmm. how therapy is inaccessible to a lot of people i have been lucky to have some decent jobs throughout the last 10 years where I could afford therapy, um, but it's not affordable to most people. No, it's not. And then alternatives to therapy are seen as not acceptable or not as credible, and that is that needs to change. Um, I think that's that's such a nuanced question because I think experts are really important and people's education and and background and and being credentialed is really important, but there's also a lot you can get just from like peer groups um, or people who maybe don't have a piece of paper. There's plenty of corrupt, fucked up people who will harm you, who have really impressive degrees and credentials. And there's plenty of people who don't have those degrees and credentials who can really help you. And I think you know, working with someone to help you have a more anti-capitalist or abolitionist mindset could be just as helpful as working, or more helpful as working with like a super credentialed therapist on like individualized solutions, um, or being in peer groups where you just like peer support is so important it's really really important yeah and it's it's something that i think standard cbt therapy doesn't even like acknowledge it doesn't acknowledge it and it has no answer for it no it doesn't it would only have lies and gaslighting there's if you if you really want to look more into this beyond like what we're going to talk about on the show i'm pretty sure that if you just google like why cbt therapy isn't enough or isn't for trauma or is bad like blanket statements like that yeah you'll find a lot that's written on this like we are recognizing collectively that cbt is not the way to go for most things definitely especially not for highly traumatized yeah no just don't and and even now when cbt is still used it's usually only used in a good way if it's in combination with other modalities yeah and it's just like Maybe it's a piece of it, but it's not actually the overall modality. And I know we talked about different types of therapy in our PTSD episode, but we were talking about it like specifically as it relates to trauma, but there are lots of other 
therapeutic modalities or peer support groups that are trauma-informed. Um, there's good networks online, like we'll include a bunch of links and stuff for resources of how to find alternatives to therapy or how to find therapy that is anti-capitalist and inclusive. That's the part I feel like I could expand on more, provide like resources for because I spent like seven months researching this to make my decision to fire my therapist and get a new one. Yeah. Like, well, and a lot of the research you did led me to, we don't, like, I have a different therapist, but I found it through talking to people you were also yep. talking to. So that's, that's how I got linked up with my current therapist. And, uh, it's been, it's been great. And it's very different. It's so different. It's almost, I think if this had been my first experience with therapy, I would have thought it wasn't therapy. I would, I would be like, is this enough? But what's so funny is it's working better. Yes. And I know that you can't like single it down to like one factor that's different, but I will say that the way that I found my therapist through searching for inclusive therapists, I had it in my head. I was like, okay, we already know how limiting it can be when like your bubble and circle is like straight white people yeah. especially straight older white people that's pretty much the majority of therapists i think i'm gonna fact check that so don't quote me on it oh but facts <laughs> um but all of my therapists before have been white straight and older by like at least one to two generations yeah and in my search i was like i don't want that i feel like even though this is a generalized statement that comes with a lot of stuff that hasn't been unpacked. So I set out to try to have a different experience. I found my current therapist now who is none of those things. Yeah. And it's, it really is a night and day difference. Yeah. The scope of things that we can talk about that she does understand, like she actually understands it and has things to say about it instead of like well, that's just yeah that's just life yeah I remember I've also I my first experiences with with therapy were when I was a teenager and I have done a lot of different types of therapy but all within that kind of traditional wheelhouse and I remember just always feeling like there were certain aspects of myself and my life that just I wouldn't talk about or when I did talk about it I'm pretty sure I was very loudly screaming, like, I'm not a neurotypical person, and those things were just not acknowledged. They couldn't even see it. That's, yeah. that's where I, like, I get so mad about this shit. Like, yeah, I, how many times did I have to say that I felt like an alien in every single group don't of people started. I've ever been in? And that I feel like a big fucking weirdo, like, and they to an extreme it. degree, and it's just like, oh, that's that's, weird. that's probably just your trauma. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, the part that really gets me. It's like, I know it, it really is, like, I know it's another generalized statement, but, like, yeah. like, I don't know. I think when you're seeing, like, predominantly, like, older, white, straight people, like, they... They don't even have that much personal experience with things outside of like certain norms. Like they might, but like how common is that? I think, yeah, because of the internet uh, increasing our ability to like communicate with each other as, as many problems as there are with social media yeah. and the internet, which 
we won't get into here, but a huge benefit of it is like, I know what it means to be neurodivergent and I could go on and on about how like, I don't know that this category would need to exist outside of capitalism, but we live under a capitalist nation here. So that category does need to exist. And it's extremely helpful for me to understand what that means and have that context for the way my entire life has gone. Um, and uh, I think trauma being such a main focus and especially one aspect of trauma that I've experienced in my life, which has been like a heteronormative type of trauma that I've gone through at the hands of men. Um, not being understood as part of a bigger problem of male supremacy yes. <laughs> and not being understood as a bigger piece of the larger trauma of existing as a queer neurodivergent person in a world that passes legislation like against your existence and stuff like that like yep. trauma is not the whole picture it's only part of it and and because and also the whole picture of the trauma wasn't even there no and it's like because so, how, how can you access it and talk to someone about it when they don't even see, like, the systems that were existing in as traumatic? Exactly. Like, yeah. if they don't see how pervasive male supremacy is, especially, like, when you're dating men, how can they truly understand your trauma and help you? Yeah. Like, they don't see it. They're, they're like, yeah, sexism is real, period. That's it. Instead right. of, like, no, because we live under patriarchy... All of us have inherited things from that that come out in our relationships. Right. And if you can't even see that, right. how can you, as a professional, help people navigate that? Exactly. You can't. You'll just reinforce the pain that's there. Yeah. And that's not, it doesn't even touch on like ending up in these um, violent or abusive situations with men out of feeling compelled to even be with men, you, you know, yep. like there's so many yep. aspects of it that just will not be treated by CBT with no really biased, heteronormative, heteronormative bullshit. Exactly. And, you know, to talk about generational things, I recently have been watching a YouTuber I really like, Khadija Mbo. And she made an episode about ageism, and I am I am a person who gets in my feelings. I want to be nice to everybody. You know, this is something Guy and I talk about a lot. I'm like, don't call them a boomer. That's mean. I know. We're like, but like you can <laughs> mellow me out with this shit. <laughs> well, it's good because you help me be less mellow because... <laughs> Something Khadija pointed out in her video was like, even though obviously we should extend compassion to everyone and yeah. not be assholes to people just because of how old they are, we live in a gerontocracy sure. where decisions uh, across the board within companies, within the government are being made by people who are much older than us. Like they are holding all the power. Yep. So being critical of people because of their age, maybe on an individual basis, they're not kind, but like as a whole, yeah, like these people are mm -hmm. basing the decisions that are controlling our lives off of 
knowledge and information that they got from decades ago. That is, That's the thing about it. Yeah. And, and how that intersects with therapy when they're the majority of the people that are therapists. Like, you're really going to trust exactly and their views and this the work that they haven't done on their own ways that they've been raised exactly dude come on and then i put my tinfoil hat on (laughs) and then i'm like schools are training people to be good laborers yep training children to be either good laborers or good prisoners which is a whole different i mean what's the difference type of unethical as fuck labor line is like this exactly and then and then we get out of school and we're struggling to be good laborers and we're miserable. And then our therapists are training us to be good laborers too. Hey, let's work. Oh, my contact. Hold on. Okay. But Okay, so these people became therapists. Is that the last one? Yeah, we're getting trained to, we're just, it's all about making sure we perfectly fit into this system so they can take our life and turn it into profit. Exactly. Ah! It is though. It is. It is. It is. And it's why I decided I'm not going to have a therapist that's a lot older than me. In fact, my therapist is a year younger than me. And let me tell you, that is a that is a lot to process mentally when you're uh-huh. it really proves that hierarchies are bullshit. Everyone, I, I want to obviously encourage anyone watching or listening to this to like be informed on your own terms like don't just listen to this like off the cuff conversation by like of us and just be like that's it that's yeah. my that's my decision about therapy that's my view on it but i think that this um conversation is really important i've seen this conversation make the rounds on twitter and maybe it's made the rounds it's on, on tiktok, TikTok for you're sure. like the twitter person i'm the i know person. yeah <laughs> no it's on tiktok as well yeah we're on two like horrible <laughs> soul draining yet kind soul of soul draining apps. yet how are we gonna have these conversations how are we gonna stay relevant and connect to everyone i fucking love tiktok and i know it's eating my brain but i love twitter and that that's a problem <laughs> It's a problem. One lesson that I've taken from 2022 is slow down. Slow the fuck down. Slow the fuck down. Seriously. If you think you're slow, slow down more. That's like the number one thing I wish I had told myself as 2022 was happening and the, the ball was rolling. Yeah. And I was starting to go like really, really fast. And yeah. Should, I wish I had just been like, hey, let's slow it down. There's a crash coming. Oh my me too but i'm gonna i'm gonna work to continue like embracing slowness going forward in my life yeah that's something my therapist talks to me a lot about yeah like i've spent like a decade now in the fast seat no i don't know like just going like way too fucking fast for like my own um, oh my god me too let's just reduce it to my own sensory needs um and that is why I've been in a type of burnout for years now. Because I didn't, I didn't listen to like my own needs in my body. So like slowness is something that we need to embrace. And I know that it's not welcomed in our capitalistic society. That's the opposite of what's pushed. It's pushed like grind culture and chase your dreams and never sleep and work and work and work and work. You know, turning us into like literal robots. Yeah. But slowness is compassion for yourself and it's where i think you have to be at 
to even meet yourself. Yeah, including with when it comes to your therapy journey, like go slow with that and and feel it. I think I think yes. we I speaking for myself, I struggle with interoception anyway. Like, anytime I had a therapist ask me, like, where I feel something in my body, I'd be like, what do you mean feel it? I have a body? body? <laughs> like, I have a body? Wait a second, feelings? <laughs> you mean I have a body? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't know the answer to that, you know? Yeah. I still struggle to know the answer to that. And I think that is something um, sad. Like, it makes me sad yes. when I think about the amount of time I have spent literally not inhabiting my body um I think that that is something when you read um about meditation or other spiritual practices that are about being in the present moment that that is something that's been so hard for me to grasp it's still hard for me to grasp but I've come a very long way and I think so much of like being able to be present and be in your body um is tied up in like your tolerance for slowing down and your ego will fight slowing down definitely that is the number one thing that my personal opinion is what goes against having a slow life it's your ego it's wanting to keep up with other people and stay relevant to what's going on I don't know grind culture plays like definitely like a huge role in that but your ego is like in the driving seat that pushes you to not slow down Definitely. It pushes you to not slow down and that can be a good thing at different times. Like that was like a good thing to me out of survival for a long time. We are allowed to question things and we're allowed to slow down and we're allowed to not, we're allowed to just not. You can just not. I think a sign that like you are in a good pace and connected to yourself is when you can be slow and not be freaking out. If you have to be doing one thing to the next, 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 and you choose to stay that busy or, you know, uh, I'm going to shit on myself here, but... uh, (laughs) constantly being on the go and being traveling and one thing to the next and to the next and to the, you're literally running from yourself yeah and if you can't sit in slowness you're not healing because you can't heal when you're in like a fast-paced thing you won't and that's yeah. why people are addicted to it what we want to do with the show we in our time of not filming have changed a lot as people a lot of our beliefs are completely different, um, which has been like a complex place to be at for us. Um, I think that going forward, I think our show has just got to be, I think the way that it's viewed also needs to be different. Like we're not an authority on the things that we talk about, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, this has just been a process of us growing up, and we're not here to, like, tell people the way that they should be doing things. We're figuring it out for ourselves, and I think that that's what we're going to see a lot of. Like, I'm sure 
looking back at our old episodes, I'm sure I would like, you know, want to be in an electric chair looking at something. <laughs> yeah. Upset because my beliefs have changed so yeah. drastically. So I feel like this is more of a watch us grow up. Yeah, watch us grow up. Um, I think we are two creative people, so we like, and we're also two people who are endlessly like reading and researching. And I know we've said this before, but I cannot stress enough how much this show is literally just like we turned a camera on, but we are always just talking about the kinds of things we have talked about it's on so the show. True. Like, Whatever ends up on the show is just what we're talking about or researching or reading about at the time. So I think it's our way of just like inviting other people to maybe participate in the conversations we're having. It's kind of voyeuristic. It's like, have you ever wondered what it's like when me and Sarah hang out? Well, here's here it is. Here's it's what it's literally like. not any different than this. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to continue with like that notion of just like we are not experts i think it kind of used to be we framed it more of like as an advice show yeah and now i'm like it's less an advice type of thing and more of like a here's what i'm curious about here's what i'm wondering about here's what's been on my mind or here's yeah. what i think is important to talk about right now and i think that part at least for me part of why i want to talk about these things is that I have so much deep regret about the entire decade of my 20s yeah. that I want to talk about things that I wish I had known then. Yeah, because a I, lot of it I is... don't want people to do some of the same shit that we did. So yeah. like, it is kind of advice, but it's coming from a place of like trying to, I don't know, help people not deal with as much unnecessary harm as possible. Like it's not in like a we know everything, but my God, I wish I had known the things that we're talking about now 10 years ago. Like, Definitely. And I just want other people to not yeah. have to do the same yeah. things that we did. So definitely. <laughs> I definitely feel the same way. And I feel, for me, it's really scary putting things online because you're kind of immortalizing it. Yeah. So I, risk I sure. want to... I'm, we're here to learn too. We are going to change our minds and we're going to be wrong. I want, I want to make sure we're like saying that more. Yeah. Or I'm remembering that because again, I'm an insufferable know-it-all. That's why we're friends. Because <laughs> we know everything. Listen, I have 57 research papers in the last three days. Yeah. Seriously though. I want to give myself permission to like be wrong or like fuck up or be corrected yeah. or be challenged. And I don't want to speak from a place of authority, but I do want to speak from a place of like care and enthusiasm. Yeah. And I think that there's definitely value to how much education and experience we've had on these topics that it doesn't exactly put us in a place of authority, but like experience and education is literally how you learn to yes. navigate things. Yes, so exactly. I think that there's a huge value to our unique set of education and experiences that can be helpful to other people. Yes. Yeah, like kind of like an older sister approach. Yes. That's how I feel about this show is like, I would want to be an older sister to some people, 
but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna make my own mistakes and be wrong. Hey, here it is. Like, hopefully this is valuable. It's valuable to me to like have the conversations that we have, whether it's on oh camera God, or yeah. off camera. And then as far as other things with the show that are less about like what it's about, but I have just goals of like increasing the production value and yeah. stuff over, over this year. So hopefully we can accomplish that. Yeah. <laughs> no promises, but we're going to try. Um, we'll do our best. Yeah, we'll just keep doing our fucking best. And here we are. We're back. We do have a list of like a new list of topic ideas and, and there's some... There's some stuff I'm really excited for us to Same. make episodes on. Thanks for watching our like kind of episode. Like, yeah. Our, like trying to get back to it, letting you know that it's happening, but give us some time and grace. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, bye. Bye. Women are so hot. <laughs> Woohoo! God, did it go? It's there. Is there a hair in my way? I don't know. We're losing a lot of light. I mean, I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>